Comics Catch Up. This is the show where Chris Sims, who's here, yes, and I'm Matt Wilson. We read the comics that we missed the first time around, and look, sometimes we miss even the work of a friend, and and that's what happened this time. I read the first issue and then sort of missed the rest, even though there are only five issues. I perhaps we are the reason it was only five issues. Yeah, it's, it's hard not to take the blame on that one, Matt. Uh, it is the Loki series from 2019, uh, written by our pal. You've heard him on the show. We talked to uh, his wife Jen and him about the Alfred show. This is not an Alfred Cho comic, even though if Daniel wrote an Alfred Cho comic, I'd I'd read every issue the day it was released. It's a little weird. Like, this is tangent, but it's a little weird that, like, Marvel always makes sure. Like, even even if it, it, it ends after five issues, Marvel's like, okay, well, we got a Loki TV show coming out, so we're going to need Loki media. Like, we're going to need a Loki series in the stores, like, in paperback. We need as many of those as we can. But DC is like, oh, there's a show about Alfred? Fucking kill him. So he's not in any comics. <laughs> How about that? How about that? As Chris mentioned, this is the Loki series, uh, written by Daniel Kibblesmith, with art mostly by Jan Basildua. I believe issue five has a different artist. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, issue five is drawn by Andy McDonald, but mostly Jan Basildua doing the art on the series. And uh, I had every intention of reading this as it was coming out or catching up on it myself, but time, time, it sure slips away. Matt, you know what road is paved with those? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the intentions that are good. Oh, Lord. Please don't let me be misunderstood. That's that's what I ask my every day for for to not be misunderstood. <laughs> it's and yet and yet yeah so often yeah. Uh, now I know that this book started in 2019. Uh, I let me see when issue five came out because yeah, it came out in November. Or maybe that's when it was solicited. But it did seem to end. Yeah, it came out in November of 2019. So it ended pre-COVID. This was not a book that was delayed at length by COVID. This all this all was released before that happened. Clearly, it seems that the original plan was for this to be more than five issues. Would you agree, Chris? 
Yeah, I, that is my that is my like major I, I guess issue with this. Even though it's not even like it, it's it's it is not the fault of the book itself. I think, but this is so clearly the first five issues of a longer series. Well, and it, it, by the end of it, it's clearly the first at least 12 issues crammed into five. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, been there, <laughs> been there, buddy. Yeah. But like, I, I think this is like such, it, it, it is like the platonic ideal of a series that gets canceled after five issues that was clearly like intended and pitched and I'm sure like approved at some point to go longer. Uh, cause this is not the, these are not the first three issues you write if you know it's ending at five. If you don't think you're getting ten, at least. Right, because it's doing a lot of things at one time. Uh, now, knowing Daniel and and his comics work, he has written a lot of miniseries in his time. Yeah. Uh, like, like Deadpool Black Panther was a miniseries. Valiant High was a miniseries. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, they're paced a particular way and they do very particular things. This book doesn't read like those books. This book yeah. reads like an ongoing where you have a, an ongoing subplot in Jotunheim where Loki is supposedly the king but he's not there because he got bored. Yeah. Which just doesn't get resolved. Pretty much. Or at least doesn't get resolved in this series. There might be somewhere else where it happens, but, but I, it's not in on Marvel unlimited. It does not come after number five. Well, so <laughs> when we said that we might do this on catch up, we actually got an email from Daniel uh, yeah. us who know. Is, isn't just isn't just a friend. He's a gar friend. He's a gar friend. He he. You will recall that he went to the uh, Garfield Gathering collectors convention with us. Yeah, uh, several years took ago. Took a took a got on an airplane to do that. Like and was not a, just a, in the neighborhood. A really terrible mishap with a rental car, as I re- recall. Yeah, there's. It was miserable driving to Asheville uh, for yeah. that. We had, yeah. the, the, but Matt, the content was good. The content was good. Uh, so Daniel let us know that the War of the Realms Omega story, Born Small, is part of the story. I don't think we're going to include it in the ranking because I think it's its own separate story. But that story does introduce Durf. Yeah, I was going to say that's where Durf comes from. Who is a, a little frost giant who kind of becomes Loki's assistant, but then just as quickly is not Loki's assistant. Like even before this book was clearly like kind of rushed to the finish line, it's moving fast because Durf is introduced in that, uh, war of the realms story. And then by issue one, the end of issue one, Durf is pushed to the side as no longer Loki's proxy, because Loki builds a big snowman to be his proxy, uh, like 
the the person on the throne. Yeah, making Fr- the frosty, frosty with an eye. Yeah, uh, who's making the decisions while he's frosty? Yes, while he's too busy doing other stuff to be king of Jotunheim. Clearly, there was more that was supposed to happen with that. Clearly, there was more that was supposed to happen with the idea of Loki wanting to join the Avengers, Mm -hmm. which happens throughout this. Like, he goes to visit Iron Man, and he says, Iron Man, I want to be an Avenger. And Iron Man thinks that's fucking hilarious. Even though Thor is amenable to the idea. Yeah, Iron Man actually says, that's fucking hilarious. No, he doesn't. No, he he doesn't say an F-cuss. In in the comic, although I'm sure Daniel would have been fine with trying to make that happen, uh, but that's that's like all of issue two. Uh, like, is Loki going to see Tony Stark to try to become an Avenger uh, because he wants to do hero stuff on Earth? Uh, there's a whole thing in here about Loki going to uh, the House of Ideas, the literal House of Ideas. Yeah, with Eternity's kids? With the, the, the children of Eternity, yes. Who I guess... I, I guess... Now, if if those children have a mother, Matt, mm-hmm. do, do you have... I mean, look, I mean, Eternity is a concept, so I'm sure uh, they can reproduce, however. Uh, but if those, those children have a, a mother, do you have any guesses as to who it might have been? Hmm. Let me let me think it over. I have a theory. Okay, let's hear your theory. The only time we have seen Eternity, to my knowledge, be like physically intimate with someone, Matt, it was Kismet. Okay, who is the embodiment of the DC universe? Uh huh. In Avengers vs. JLA, and those kids are about the right age. But I, but, but maybe maybe Eternity has them like on the weekends. So th- they hang out at the House of Ideas on the weekends, and then they go to the Distinguished Competition on weekdays? Yeah, they go to whatever the... Th- they go to, there's no stopping us now, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the New 50 School. That's good. That's good. The, they go to the Orrery of Worlds, is what yeah, it would be. Yeah, that's they, they go to the Orrery of Worlds. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, this is much harder to say. House of Ideas. Yeah, I was trying to think of a Marvel character that they that could be their mom, and boy, I was I was blanking. Like the only name I could come up with is Death, and that seems wrong. Uh, is Cosmos? No, that's the Beyonder. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and Cosmos Cosmos a puppy. That's right. Yeah. Uh. I, yeah, I think your theory is as good as any. That's <laughs> what I like to hear, Matt. Uh, so, <laughs> what's funny about the House of Ideas is that it's just literally a library of Marvel comics. Yeah, and uh, it's arranged by character, and there's a really, really funny joke about... Uh, they show Loki, they're like, this, you know, this is the shelf of Thor's adventures. And he's like, wow, that's... There's a lot of lot of stories on that shelf. What's this big shelf? And they go, oh, that's Spider-Man's shelf. Yeah. And he goes, wow, that's a lot bigger. But what's that one that's towering up into the sky? <laughs> oh, that's Wolverine's. That's Wolverine. <laughs> that's all the Wolverine stories, which I thought was very, very funny. Uh, Loki then says, I don't understand. I'm older than Wolverine, albeit barely. 
how could these heroes fit so many exploits into a single lifetime? And and they explain that it is thanks to them in the House of Ideas uh, that there are so many stories about these characters who probably could not possibly do all of this stuff. Uh, that's that I gotta say that is my exact kind of shit. Oh yeah, it's it's such a fun, it's such a fun little in-universe metatextual explanation for for like the idea that no, like there's no possible way Spider-Man could do all this in you know the sliding scale ten years. How Spider-Man has four five books a month. And yeah. could do all that shit, yeah. Uh, pretty good. How Spider-Man's life story mm. could go on so long. Could go on so long. Yeah, how he could be perpetually 25 uh, forever. There's also all the stuff going on in here with Nightmare that eventually does like slam together with Loki's story in issue 4 but I think was probably meant to take a lot longer. If that was not meant to, to take longer. Cause I, I feel like that resolution, like you say the book moves really fast, but it does. And it doesn't because there's a lot that's like set up that kind of, it doesn't, you know, meander, but it, it is not super fast paced for the first two and a half issues and then it starts moving really fast. If the stuff with nightmare was not meant to, to be drawn out longer then almost certainly the stuff with Robin was meant to Robin be being, longer. Robin being the woman that nightmare uses as a door into the real world. That's how he comes into earth and in the act of using her as a door, he also takes away her ever having been married to her wife. Yeah, he he makes her worst nightmare come true, and it's just what if what if we never met? Yeah, uh, he, which I thought was like a really great concept. He does a one more day to her, and he that is addressed. It was explicitly uh, mentioned as being a one more day. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty good. I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, but like, look, maybe the whole, the plan the whole time was for Loki to smash nightmare with Tony Stark's car, mm-hmm. which is what he does. Well, the, the idea like the Loki tricks nightmare into becoming mortal and then just like, you know, beats him in a very, like very mortal way to die, which is, a Looney Tunes ass having a car dropped on you. Yeah. Uh, but and that's a really good and really like it's, it's got the like fableness of, of, you know, like a, a good Thor story and a good Loki story kind of should have. Uh, so I, I, I buy that it's, it's, yeah. it's fun. And I buy that that maybe was supposed to be the first arc. Like the nightmare stuff was supposed to be the first arc. The reason I say it moves really fast is not so much that like, it's progressing one narrative mega quickly. It's that it's switching between several narratives at once. Mm-hmm. Threads that are clearly meant to weave together in a much bigger story. And I think the biggest example of that is something that really just gets like tacked on at the end of issue four, because issue five has to do something else. 
uh, the stuff with the unfather, who I feel like is meant to be like the big bad of this whole series. Yeah, who's Thor? Who is Thor? But he just gets introduced, and there's like a little caption that says, "Hey, maybe, maybe this story will continue somewhere else." <laughs> like the caption is literally just "to be continued in the future." Never the end. Yeah. My, my favorite uh, way for a canceled series to end. We see the unfather, and then it's just like, okay, now we got to actually do the wrap up issue where Loki's telling a story about hanging out with Wolverine in the Old West, which he may or may not be making up uh, while he's imprisoned. And then he kind of like joins up together with uh, a character from, uh, I think, the Kieran Gillen run on the book, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Verity. Verity. Uh, and and they're going to like team up to go fight the Unfather. But we never actually see that happen because the, the book is canceled. Yeah. If I if I had to guess, and we haven't, you know, I mean, we we could ask, uh, I guess, but and I'm, I'm sure like he'll tell us because he does actually listen to the show. But like if I had to guess, I'd say that um, what uh, Daniel's intent for this was was very similar to what we wanted to do with 92, uh, X-Men 92, which is a book that I – uh, co-wrote with my writing partner Chad Bowers at Marvel that was also canceled uh, about 15 issues before we thought it would be. Um, which is that we were going to do a four-issue arc, and then every fifth issue would be uh, something else. In, in our case, it was like uh, a uh, like, like you'd catch up with Scott and Gene. Because Scott and Gene leave the book yeah. Uh, yeah, after yeah, the miniseries, yeah. and then 5, 10, 15, 20 we're all going to be like Scott and Gene going through like the X-Men multiverse, basically like the, the time stream. And it feels like th- the way this first arc is set up, it's going to be four issue stories of Loki fighting a bad guy or like, you know, trying to become a hero. And then every fifth issue would have been one of the new stories that Eternity's kids give him where they're like retconning his past to give him more heroic stories in his past, which I, I thought is a really, really good concept because it lets you do anything like do a cowboy story with, with Wolverine in it. Uh, but instead we, we just get the one, which it, it, it ends up feeling like a weird, it, it feels like a weird epilogue. It feels like a sixth, like a sixth finger. It feels like a sixth toe. It feels like an extra pinky toe because it's good. But it's like, okay, but is this part of something, or is this... It's like a backup story that's a full issue long. Which I'm not saying it's bad, but because, like, structurally it feels weird because of that. Well, I, it does end up tying to the lar- tying into the larger story by the end of it. Like, with Loki kind of, like, deciding on his place and deciding to team up with Verity. Verity Willis is her full name. To do the big heroic thing that I think he was ultimately going to do if this book had gone longer, right? Right. And it, it makes me think that the cancellation was perhaps a late decision, where issue five could not be an issue that like wraps up all of this and actually deals with the unfather stuff. 
because all this art was actually already done. And so they needed to put this issue out. But also Marvel decided this was the last one too. Yeah. Uh, it definitely like I the the stuff that actually does address that it is the last issue, I think is really interesting because it does have like, you know, it opens with Loki in a supervillain prison, like on, on the raft or the Triskelion or whatever. And yeah, I think he's, and I he's think like, he's, yeah, he's, he's in the raft. Like, yeah. yeah. This is how the story always ends. Like, this is the end. Like, like, this is like, I'm here because this is the last issue and this is where it ends always for me. And then, you know, the, the end is like, actually, no, like he says early on, this is a prison for supervillains. If I was a supervillain, I could just leave, like, by definition, which is a great little bit of, like, that's, like, the way Kieran Gillen writes about magic, uh, which I like a lot. Yeah, I'm interested to to know whether the stuff with Loki in prison was always part of this issue, or whether it was just added in when it was clear that this was the last issue. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. And again, like, I... I feel like we're very unique in this one instance of doing this. Cause you know, we always try to review the comic that we have and not the comic that we don't, but a, we know that the structural issues uh, are like, we know the reason for them. Daniel's talked about them, like not like in a, in an angry or, or bitter way or anything, but he's like, yeah, Hey, that, you know, there are anagrams in this book, which I didn't catch, by the way, but like there are anagrams in this book that would have indicated what was coming up in future issues. Um, you know, he clearly has talked about having more planned, which, you know, it happens. The book gets, sometimes the book gets canceled. Yeah. Sometimes the book gets canceled. It just but happens. Like, in this one instance, we could ask, <laughs> like, we could find out. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's worth talking to Daniel, because I'm always fascinated by. What what happens when a book gets canceled? You know, like mm-hmm. there has to be a process of deciding like what to keep and what to throw out, and how to finish the story, and what parts of your story are just going to necessarily have to go untold. Yeah, uh, forever. Like you're never going to get a chance to to tell the rest of that story because. Like, even if, you know, you get to write a book with these characters again in the future, it's going to be a different time, and it's you're not going to be able to go to back to the story you were telling before. Yeah, especially if it's somebody like Loki, who is a, you know, even though the book got canceled after five issues, he's a, that's a high-profile Marvel character with a TV show coming out, and, and you know, who has been in multiple movies. I, I, I have said also before... Who's also ever changing? Like Loki, yeah. Loki is not the Loki that he was in 1965, and he's not the Loki he was in 1984. He's not the Loki he was in 2011. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he's a character that is very very malleable. Yeah, you, you can't cross the same river twice. You can't can't write the same Loki twice. As um, Kieran Gillen will tell you. And and look, you know, I yes, we don't judge the book we don't have or the book we could have had. At the same time, we have ranked books on the Every Story Ever list 
on the basis of them being unfinished. <laughs> and this isn't that, you know, this isn't a, an image book that put out four issues that just never, that never had the concluding issue, but it is like massively truncated. Yeah. And, 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 like, and very and, evidently so. Yeah. Very evidently. So is the, is the problem. Like we, like if we didn't know it had happened, we would know it had happened just by virtue of how the, like the book ends. Yeah. And, and it's, I think extra, disappointing or I'm not sure what word to use, but it's, it's extra deflating, I suppose, because I did and have been enjoying so much of what led up to what came before. I really do like that sort of like threaded storytelling that this book definitely was doing. Yeah. I'd say like that's, even though we're talking about the structural issues as like a big negative, the reason they're a big negative is because there's a lot here that I really would have loved to see continue. Like the, the idea of Loki fucking around with his own past with Eternity's kids in their, in their big library is really good, especially because he sells, he sells his death to them. Like the way the bargain that he, he makes with them is that if he's going to be a hero, he's going to die a heroic death and it is going to be a heroic death that he cannot come back from. And that being a thing that hangs over his head for the whole series is such a good idea and such a good, like, like, you know, that's going to lead up to a moment where Loki has to choose between living and dying and living as a piece of shit or dying as a hero. And that's a really good Loki moment. And that's so clearly laid out and so clearly set up. And I want that. And it's it's yeah. it's not just evident; it's like really disappointing. Yeah, and and again, it's nobody's fault. It's except I guess it's our fault. <laughs> it's, yeah, if it's anybody's fault, Matt, it's ours. It's ours. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those could have been two extra sales. Th- that would have done. It was a, it was a whatever it was a, whatever nine ninety nine the uh, the cutoff point. <laughs> yeah, I I I yeah, it's it's disappointing. Um, and you know, you hope for a book to at least get like 10 or 12 issues. Yeah. Uh, getting cut off at five is especially, uh, deflating. Yeah. And it's, and it's also like, it's, 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 I'm sorry. Cause I know this sounds like I'm like humble writing all over the place, but like, this is like a weird thing I have experience with. And it's like, it makes you second guess everything. Like would, you know, would would I have pushed really hard to make our first story a weird Dracula story if I knew it was we were only going to get ten issues? You know, probably yeah. not. Maybe because I really wanted to. Like that was a thing that I've really wanted to do forever. But eh, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. And so I know that, like, as a creator, that has to be super frustrating. I, it makes you wonder. I think if, like, if you're doing a Marvel book. Do you want to do all that like complex threaded storytelling, knowing that there's always the possibility that you're going to have to throw it away? Yeah, and you know? the, the the irony is, Marvel books thrive on that. They thrive on that complicated storytelling that can touch all the parts of the universe. And Marvel is, in my experience as a reader, way more like they like 
they will cut a book a lot faster if if the books put out by Marvel and DC are are to judge by. Like you can do it feels so much easier to write a self-contained DC book, right? Because if, you know, if you're a Marvel book, well, shit, it's issue three. Spider-Man's got to show up, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a tradition there. It's an interconnected universe in the way that DC isn't always. But Marvel is... The the word that's coming to mind isn't the one that I want. It's, like, vicious. (laughs) Because it's not, like, mean-spirited. But they will cut a book at five in a heartbeat. Well, I I think it's the reality of Marvel publishes more books, right? Mm -hmm. And has for a long time. And so they're more willing to like cut the head off of this one to do a new one. Whereas it feels like DC is a little more, I don't know, curated. I, I don't know what the word is, but like even with like the new 52, even the worst selling of those books made it eight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I I can't think of a DC like what so a DC comic that was intended to be an ongoing that only made it five. Yeah, I, I'm sure there there are, but like you, you think about something even like Dial H, which was a book that was you know hugely critically acclaimed, but that I I know it was a book that that sales were not there on. Like that went for a while, and I feel like it went for a while so that they could get like. Because they, because a, because they knew it would be a a, a seller in paperback, uh, because of the nature of the book, and b, because you know DC is way more likely to like let things go for a while. Uh, but Marvel will take a look at the pre-orders for number one, and yeah, they, they'll make their decision pr- pretty quick. Like even Prez, which was another, well, Prez was originally a miniseries to start with, though, so yeah. that's not a good example. Like, but I know Prez was like one of those books where it was like, oh, this is the best book you're not reading. Yeah. But it got the full 12. It's it's just a different a different mentality. And an epilogue in like a Catwoman annual or wherever it was. Yeah. Uh, it's just a, a, a totally different approach to business. Yeah. Which it and which sucks because if we knew if we, and by that I mean everybody, you, me, Daniel, uh, everybody, if we had known this was a five-issue miniseries going in, it would be completely different and, like, would not have those issues at all. Like, there, it would have been figured out how to do them in that space. In the five, yeah. Yeah. It, it would have been a story to fit five issues instead of a story that was clearly intended to fit 12 or 18 or 20. Yeah. It, and I, I do hate that, like, this is kind of the only thing we've talked about, but because it is a good book. Like, the interaction with Tony Stark is really funny. Loki, I think, is is a really, uh, I mean, perhaps appropriately, a deceptively interesting and complex character in this, where it seems like he's not. But by the time you get to, like, that, the end of that fight with Nightmare, like, he's got a lot going on. Like he really does want to be an Avenger. He really does want to have like this this chapter of his life, you know, so to speak, like be something different. Uh, and I think the idea of like what is Loki afraid of is like a really good one that makes that like that nightmare fight really solid. Well, in, in a way that I really like. We've talked about certain themes 
like what is Loki afraid of? Will Loki accept a heroic death? Uh, you know, what does it mean for so, for a scoundrel to become a hero? What does it mean to write your own story? You know, it's got all these like great questions and themes. Who lives? Who dies? Who tells That's your story? Right. All those good themes that people seem to like. But, but we are, as readers, are deprived of the payoffs. We we get the nightmare payoff, which is good. <laughs> I like the nightmare payoff, which also pays off a bunch of seeds that are planted with the Tony Stark stuff and his like basically Tesla car mm-hmm. and and like how Tony is constantly annoyed with Loki and on and all, all of that stuff. But we don't get the Jotunheim payoff. We don't get the unfather payoff. We don't get this story writing payoff. We don't get the heroic death payoff. We just don't get those things. Yeah. So it's really hard to talk about. Yeah. A lot is set up that for non-narrative reasons is not followed up on. Yeah. Like, that's a bummer. It's a real bummer. And that's just, again, it has nothing to do with the creators. It has nothing to do with the issues as they are. It has to do with the reality of a book getting canceled. Yeah. That is, it, is a, it is a publishing decision and not a narrative one or an artistic one. Uh, which, you know, a bummer, a real bummer. And I blame you, Matt. I blame me too. Yeah, good. Then it's settled. (laughs) All right, Chris, let's rank this. And I think we have to rank it based on the reality of it. Um, You know, the book as it is, not the book as it could be. Yeah, Uh, I think it's like good, but you know. Yeah, the, the word is disappointing. The reasoning is disappointing because we want more of it and we didn't get it. Which, you know, is the good the good and bad of it all. Yeah, disappointing because the setup is really good. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't get to do any of the stuff yeah. that it's setting up. Uh, th- th- so, so that leads me necessarily to... I think some other unfinished comics. Okay. Like nineteen sixty three. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking for those. Let me let me d- dig those up. Uh, so nineteen sixty three is at eight ninety. I don't think this is going to go that low. Uh, no, but I mean, like, I I do feel like it is kind of of similar quality to nineteen sixty three, which is also very yeah. good. But nineteen sixty three is like doesn't even have the rushed wrap up finish. You yeah. know, um, another unfinished book. Desolation Jones was unfinished, right? Uh, I think so. Um, I know that is, like Daniel Zizilch, uh left that one. Uh, uh, it's it's even lo- okay. It's even lower at nine sixty eight. So yeah. Uh, let's yeah let's let's somewhere in the eight hundreds. I think is probably probably right given you know how much it just has to end (laughs) yeah uh i don't know like 
I think it's probably... I, I don't think we should put it as low as... It, it's better than Ninjak Volume 1, Numbers 1 and 2. It's better than the Dingbats of Danger Street, for sure. Those are in the, like, 850s. Okay. Uh, 800 is the Brood Saga from uh, King X-Men 162 to 167, which is the movie Alien, mm-hmm. but but with Wolverine there. Well, with the X-Men in it, yeah. It's, yeah, it's one of those it's, books on the, on the Wolverine shelf. Yeah, it's it's and it's where the X-Men fight the alien from the movie Alien, and no one noticed or, or thought that was something they couldn't do. It's not the alien from the movie Alien, though, Chris, because it's brown. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and and the alien from the movie Alien didn't like try to kill Kitty Pride, I guess. Yeah. Look, the alien in the movie Alien is black. Mm-hmm. The brood from X-Men is brown. Right. So obviously they're not the same. We are not the same. Uh, <laughs> it's better than Blood is the Harvest, which is 785. Okay. Uh, which also, well, is weirdly rushed, but is exactly the number of issues as a, that it was advertised to be. <laughs> yeah, seven fifty is the origin of Hordak. The that Keith Giffen like very Kirby style mm-hmm. Hordak story, which was which I think is like shockingly freely good. And right below that is Last End of the Wreckers, which is not the not like the best. Transformer story, but a very like exciting and I think draws on the like uh like the continuity of the Transformers stuff that I read really, really well. I don't know if it's as good as either of those, but I do think it's probably better than Nixon's Pals. So you're arguing to put it the new number seven fifty-two. Yes. But I mean there's I also like, there's stuff below there. Tower of the Elephant's pretty good. Uh, I mean, the Beard Hunter is pretty good. Beard Hunter is pretty good. Transactional uh, goodness, the Calvin and Hobbes transactional goodness, and the nailing the table is pretty good. I think it's probably better than that last issue of The Walking Dead, which is a courtroom drama about a zombie. A courtroom. <laughs> oh man, I've surprised. Okay, how does it rank against Banana Sunday? Quality-wise, I think it's on par. I think Banana Sunday is really underrated. Uh, I, okay, I do think maybe above Banana Sunday, below Nailing the Table. Nailing the Table is very funny. Nailing the Table is very funny. All right, so we're going to put... The Calvin Logan. Hobbs strip where Calvin's nailing the table. Driving nails into a table, yeah. Hilarious. Uh, Loki, 2019, numbers 1 through 5. Uh, goes at the new number 762 on the list. And I know this is Loki volume something... But I feel like it's just easier to, nowadays to identify <laughs> Marvel books by the year that they started. That's, I mean, on, that's what they, that's what Marvel does. Like, if you go on Unlimited, like, it's going to tell you, hey, this is Amazing Spider-Man 1963 versus Amazing Spider-Man uh, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to call it Loki 2019. I don't even think there's a volume number in the books. Just a just a copyright date. Yeah. Like I think Marvel has dropped volume numbers completely in the in the books themselves. Like maybe on the Marvel database it, it'll have the it, the volume number. I think it's like volume four, volume three. It's volume three. 
only volume three of Loki. Because <laughs> I think other Loki books have had other titles. Like there was Vote Loki. Yeah, Vote Loki was the name of that one. Loki, was it, uh, uh, or Journey into Mystery, I guess, was the one. Journey into Mystery was the, the big Gillen one, yeah. Yeah. So Agent of Asgard was that one? Maybe. Which is also very confusing when a book has a subtitle. Yes. Uh, like Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty. Remember that one? Sentinel of Liberty. <laughs> oh. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. Sorry, Daniel, that we didn't read this when it was coming out. It's our fault. It's my fault. Matt, it's Matt's fault. We'll be back in February with another book to catch up on. We'll actually do a poll for February. We just decided to rank this one because we were embarrassed that we didn't read it. I was because it's my yeah. fault. And again, we talked a lot about the problems. It's a, it's good, <laughs> and that's the frustrating part. Uh, which, which is a, a bad. A, a frustrating place to be in. Congratulations. You wrote a book so good that I, that I'm mad at it. (laughs) Uh, If you would like to send us suggestions for something to catch up on in February, you can do it at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up with suggestions on Tumblr, which is warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. Follow us on Twitter to vote in our polls for what to read. That's, at War Rocket Pod on Twitter, a slightly better website nowadays. You can also check out WarRocketWiki.com. It is the fan repository of all things War Rocket Ajax. And our website, WarRocketAjax.com, which has links to every episode of the show. Ever. Which is a lot. Chris, where can people find your stuff? Well, I am... Uh, the, you can talk to me on the uh, slightly less bad website uh, at the ISB, but you can find links to everything that I do uh, at the-isb.com. That is my old uh, my blog. Remember blogs? Hey, remember blogs? Remember blogs? Remember when uh, Google destroyed blogs and made the world bad by, by getting rid of Google Reader? I do. And I so think about it every day. day. Everybody had to go to the bad website instead of blogs. Everybody, yeah, and it became all about the bad website. And then the other website was like, "Hey, here's some here's some pivot to video data." Rough, rough stuff. Yeah, Facebook, rough stuff. Facebook was also responsible for that. Uh, you can find all of my stuff at mattdwilson.net. That's the page with links to my books and my comics and my social medias. Uh, all that stuff is there. So go there. Thanks, everybody. See you in February. Regular Ajax also has started back, so tune into those. We'll talk at you soon. Yep. Bye, everybody. We love you. Good catching up. Good catching up. (laughs) 